You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome, welcome, everybody, on this great Sunday morning. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, host for the next 30 minutes on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, the, uh, I think, only live call-in show here on Pet Life Radio. And we're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to have a good time, answer your questions, whatever they may be. Just give me a call. You have a number of ways to get a hold of me. You can either reach me toll-free, 877-385-8882, or you can join in the conversation. Log on to PetLifeRadio.com. On that left, you'll see all the different shows we have here. You go Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there's a box there that says Join the Conversation, and it's a live chat. Or you can go ahead and send us a live email on right now as we speak to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. So all those different ways you can get a hold of me, which is great. And uh, it's that easy. And as I said, we're, uh, I always have a, an alternative plan as far as what we're going to do, but I really want to hear from you. We've had some great questions lately. You can send me emails if you're uh, embarrassed or shy. Just send me an email to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. They'll be forwarded to me, and we can read them live next week on the air, and, uh, and that'd be great. So uh, speaking of next week, I'm uh, going to be live, I think, next week, but I'm leaving for Lima, Peru. I am, have been invited to speak at the Latin American Veterinary Conference and also given the opportunity to speak at two veterinary schools in Lima, and we're going to do a spay-neuter clinic teaching the students some tricks of the trade when it comes to spay-neuter. So looking forward to that and, uh, and then get to speak at the conference, have six hours of lecture. So it'll be pretty cool. I will definitely report back to you upon my return, letting you know what it's like in Lima, what the state of veterinary medicine is in Lima, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. Last time, actually, I was in Peru. I had a great experience. I went over there with a group called Amazon Cares, and it is started by a woman out of New York, and it is a charity that spends a lot of time and money bringing veterinarians into the Amazon jungle, a town out just on the Amazon. They call it the Western Gateway to the Amazon. So it's that small part of the Amazon uh, river and jungle that is actually in Peru as opposed to Brazil. And the town is called Iquitos and Belen. And they have a huge problem with pet overpopulation. There are literally, literally dogs are running the town. They're all over the place. They are in the worst conditions imaginable. And I had seen pictures of the state of these dogs and cats, and I was so concerned. So I signed up and went over there about three years ago. And it was the most amazing experience. We literally trapped and caught these dogs. We vaccinated, we spayed or neutered, uh, we, we, we removed tumors, we just whatever we can do to fix them up, started a heartworm treatment, whatever it was we can do, we did. And then we just had to let them go. But they were all now fixed, spayed, neutered. So everybody knew we trimmed the ears on the dog. So it was just an amazing, amazing experience. The veterinarian, the local vet there, it's a husband-wife team. She does small animal, he does large animal. And uh, it's really the only veterinary hospital in Iquitos. And she is overwhelmed, and she can't do it all, and nor does she have the ability to do this without pay, uh, or else she can't keep her doors open. So it was just an amazing experience. Uh, the money comes in from Amazon Cares. It's a great organization. And you know there are organizations like this around the world. One is called World Vets that sends veterinarians to other parts of the world. And anyway, it was great. One of the talks I'm actually giving at the show is all about that experience. And the goal being, which you know this was so interesting as well, is that when 
we have. When you look at the veterinarians in the world, you look at the quality and the state of veterinary medicine around the world, arguably, arguably, United States is at the top of the game. And what's so interesting, when talking to this Molly Mendicow over at Amazon Cares and asked her, how many, how many U.S. vets do you get there? I mean, are we underrepresented? Are we overrepresented? And she said, sadly, we are underrepresented. So here we are, the, you know, the most advanced uh, veterinary medicine in the, in, in the world is coming out of the U.S., North America certainly, and we are the most underrepresented. Uh, a few of the other vets that I worked with there during my trip were from Australia, New Zealand, and one from Italy. And I asked, I asked, the, and they were all younger, and I asked, I said, how, how often, I mean, how many students do you do this? It was amazing. She said that probably in their graduating class, 70 or 80% of their classmates will at some point in their first five years of practice make a trip like this, take off two weeks and go somewhere in the world to help animals in need. And I thought that was so amazing because until I heard about this, we had never gotten this. I, I mean, I know very few. I reported back to a number of my classmates when I came back and told them just about, about the amazing experience. And they all said the same thing. They said, Jeff, sign me up. Whenever you're going to do it again, just let me know. That sounds like a great trip. I mean, here, you know, look, I just got back from a, a ski snowboarding trip with veterinarians. We do stuff like that, right? Yeah, we need our break. It's great to get away and have a vacation for three, four days. But to do something like that where there's so much good involved, that is great. Anyway, so I'm heading back to Peru. Unfortunately, not going to Iquitos this time, but um, I'm hoping that um, being able to interact with many other veterinarians from around, the, around South America and also react and interact with, with students that I will be able to do some, uh, some good things. So anyway, again, I want to welcome you to stay with me for the next, uh, well, now less than 30 minutes. And I want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, veterinary quality products available to you at over-the-counter uh, mass market prices, and also Kong, and everybody knows Kong. And so uh, we are also, thank Kong for being one of our sponsors. As a matter of fact, those of you who call in, those of you who write in, send me an email. If I read your email live on air, we will go ahead and send you out a Kong product and a ProSense product. And be patient because we have to get them from Kong, and then Kong sends them to us, and then we'll in turn send them to you. But we will get them out to you. And if you don't, or if you haven't, in a few, several weeks, please just send me an email to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. So we have been, over the last few weeks, talking about, I like to go through different organ systems. I'm finding that many of you out there aren't as well informed as we would like you to be, and I think you should be, that if you're going to go into your veterinarian and conversations will be had as far as what should be done, what are the possibilities of what's going on, I truly believe that you should be better informed so you can actively, actively participate. So when it comes to making decisions about what tests to do or not to do, you'll have a better idea. And of course, if you have any questions, guess what? Listen in on Sunday and give me a call and say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what the doctor recommended. What do you think? Where do you go from here? And I will certainly help you sift through. I can only give you suggestions, obviously, without having your dog in front of me or your cat in front of me and, and being able to feel and see for myself. But based on what you're telling me, I can give you some ideas, some suggestions that you can then at least take back to your veterinarian. So we've been talking about some respiratory issues of late and the different respiratory diseases. We were talking about some of the, the infectious diseases uh, as a puppy, for example. The most common is going to be what we call kennel cough. And once again, I like to not call it kennel cough because depending on where you live 
and how prevalent I like to call it. And for me, it's live in LA cough, take your dog to the beach cough, take a walk on Melrose cough. I mean, it's everywhere. You can go to the vet, go to the groomer, go to the doggy daycare. With our active lifestyles, dogs are going to doggy parks. It's everywhere. So I, I just don't like to use the term kennel cough anymore, but infectious tracheobronchitis. It is contagious. It is infectious. Fortunately, it's not that serious. As puppies, we also have to worry about pneumonia. And not just pneumonia, but also canine distemper virus, which early in the stages, if you have canine distemper virus, which is a, a virus, as we discussed, that likes epithelial surfaces, it seems to attack epithelial surfaces, it you, often starts in the lungs. And the early signs are cough. And then it goes into possible pneumonia. And you have no idea what you're treating. And it's very difficult to uh, diagnose. It's expensive, uh, something called the PCR test. But my feeling is this. You're going to treat it no matter what. There are dogs that beat distemper if it's in the respiratory phase, there are dogs that have beaten distemper in the gastrointestinal phase, dogs that have beaten distemper in the skin phase. The only time that I would say, you know what, it might be time to say, you know, let's call it quits because this virus is taking over is if it hits the central nervous system. If it actually starts causing neurologic deficits, what we call chomping fits, then it's a tough one to beat. Those are the ones that usually end up needing to be put to sleep. Of course, if the respiratory issue, if it turns into such a full-blown pneumonia where they can't breathe, if it turns into severe vomiting and diarrhea, then of course that needs to be considered as well. But you have to understand one thing. We cannot treat distemper. We can't cure it. I should say that differently. We can control it. We can keep the animal built up. We can give the animal its nutrients. We can help stop some of the clinical disease, but we can't cure it. The only being that can cure a virus is that being itself. That means whether it's parvo, whether it's distemper, it, we require the dog's body, the dog's own immune system to beat the virus. All we can do is try to give it as many tools as we can to do that. There are no really acceptable, great antiviral drugs, even drugs that, that a lot of us use. And admittedly, when it comes to some of these viruses like a Tamiflu, a lot of the experts saying, no, 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 that's not doing it. That, you know, it might make you feel good, but still to this day and age, until we have a specific anti-distemper drug, we need to do what we do and that's supportive care. So now let's go back to our, so you have a dog and you know it's distemper. You know it's distemper, but as of right now, it's only intestinal or it's only respiratory. It has not hit the CNS, the central nervous system yet. Are you going to give up? No, you're not going to give up. If the dog is hanging in there and doing well, continue to treat, continue to support, provide antibiotics, provide against secondary infection, to provide fluids, which are essential, and vitamins, which are essential. Do what you can to keep that immune system as healthy as possible, hopefully to beat this virus before it transmits, before it goes to the central nervous system. Once the central nervous system is affected, then you have a tough battle on your hands. Most probably will give up at that point. Uh, we've had some that have gotten through it, but they're all, there's going to be some deficiency most of the time. As a matter of fact, even if you have a dog that has quote-unquote beaten distemper and it is not yet gone to the central nervous system, and even these dogs can suffer from something later on in life called ODE, old dog encephalitis. So again, we have to be very careful because you just it's, it's a matter of understanding the process, understanding that even though your dog survived, then it might have another problem later on. And also, speaking of uh, dogs that survived, you go adopt a dog from a shelter, the dog looks great, okay? And you look at his teeth, and its teeth are like the enamel is sort of eaten away, it's, it's brown, it's discolored. Your dog, this puppy, might have had distemper as a puppy. The two things that'll do that, it's called enamel hypoplasia. One is distemper virus. The other one is having been on tetracycline as a puppy or a mom could have been on tetracycline when she's nursing her puppies. 
And that also can cause enamel hypoplasia. Not good for the teeth. Now, the teeth look bad. As far as as long as the dentin is still intact, your teeth are still going to function fine. But they're not going to look as pretty because they lost all their nice shiny white enamel. But that tells you that that dog may have had distemper. So now you know that, yes, your dog is doing great. It's happy. It's healthy. And everything is perfect. It beat it. But understand that down the road, there may be an issue with old dog encephalitis and maybe some seizures, some neurologic problems, just so you know. Would I tell you not to adopt that dog? Absolutely not. Definitely adopt it. Definitely adopt it if it's the right dog. Don't worry about the teeth. As I said, the teeth are going to still be strong. They're just not going to look as pretty. Maybe you shouldn't smile so big for the camera, but it's going to be fine. But just know in the back of your mind, you're going to remember, oh, yeah, Dr. Jeff said that we have to potentially worry about something called ODE, old dog encephalitis. So we've gone through now. There are some other congenital defects. There are some ciliary defects. These are the little tiny hairs whose job along the respiratory tree is to sort of capture and eliminate some bad things, some debris, dirt, etc. And when we have a ciliary defect, which can be a congenital problem, then these dogs are going to be more prone to coughing, more prone to problems, more prone to getting sick or some sort of respiratory disease because these cilia play a very important role. So that's an, uh, another thing to consider. Other congenital problems we have would be the stenotic areas. We've talked many a time. As you know, I have my French bulldogs. One of them had these little very narrowed nose, the nostrils. That's something that requires surgical repair. And also often with these short-faced dogs with the stenotic nares comes what we call an elongated soft palate. And these are the little dogs, those little pushed-in brachycephalic breeds that are so loud, especially when they're sleeping. You hear, (laughs) and all the time, these dogs often have elongated soft palates. One of the things I recommend, if you have a small dog and it's going in for a surgery, typically early on, a spay or a neuter, make sure to mention to your veterinarian they should do it anyway. But just that extra little reminder, doc, please check the soft palate. My dog snores a lot. If it does need repair, we'd like to get that repaired as well. And if you are going to do so, I recommend laser. Cautery is another way to do it. Certainly old-fashioned cutting and sewing is a way to do it. But I love laser because there is zero bleeding. Laser is amazing when it comes to fixing both the nares and the elongated soft palate. So time for our quick break. Don't go away. You're here with Dr. Jeff Pet Life Radio, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Listen, cat people, it's just litter. Until you realize those big boxes mean big smells, big messes, and big money. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter with concentrated power. It guarantees less smells, less work, all with less litter. Try the small bag that lasts one cat 30 days and you'll realize it's just litter. Unless it's World's Best Cat Litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and at your local grocery and pet stores. There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. 
Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, KLM Family Brands. It's DesignerPetSweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we've been talking respiratory problems. And we went through some of the congenital issues. There's another problem we see that it is probably more hereditary, not necessarily congenital. Just so you understand the difference. Congenital merely means present at birth. Many congenital diseases have a hereditary predisposition, which means it was transferred genetically from parent to offspring. And there are many congenital diseases that have no hereditary component. It just it could have been a defect, a genetic defect. It just happened. Mom never had it. Dad never had it. Grandma, grandpa never had it. No one else had it. Just pets born with it. It's not in the gene pool per se. But so those are called congenital. A hereditary means that it is a disease that's transferable from parent. It's in the gene pool, but it doesn't necessarily show up when they're born. So you can have a hereditary predisposition to something, for example, hip dysplasia. They're not born necessarily with hip dysplasia. You can have dogs that, that at six months look fine, but then things start changing. So just understand the difference. So there's another condition that we see that probably has a high hereditary predisposition. And the reason we say that is because when you have diseases that seem to show up often in certain breeds, the thought is that there must be, it must have entered the gene pool. Even if neither parent had the problem, it could have been what we call recessive, and it shows up now at some point later on, but it's in the genes. And, and one such disease is something called tracheal collapse, or collapsing trachea. I am sure that there are many of you out there, especially with small dogs, whether it's a, a Yorkie, a Palm, a Maltese, whatever, that they go, <gasps> and they literally, you can hear them breathing. And when you take a picture, you take x-rays of these dogs, their trachea literally will just collapse into nothing. Basically, the, it's a defect of the cartilaginous rings that are supposed to keep the trachea, sort of let it maintain its shape and its rigidity. So it doesn't collapse. And oftentimes these dogs have defects with those rings and they will get a tracheal collapse. Another problem we see that sounds very similar is called a redundant dorsal tracheal membrane. And again, we'll see this in, in more than just small breeds and dogs that present with that weird cough that it's like a honk almost. These dogs have a tracheal collapse. Tracheal collapses, 
are, they sound terribly. They usually can be controlled with anti-cough medicine, sometimes medicine to calm the dog down, whether they be things like Valium or Xanax or things that even like Benadryl. Just keep your dogs pretty chill. It seems to get worse when they drink water fast, where they get very excited in the heat. Make sure these dogs don't overheat. But it is really a tough condition to fix. I know most surgeons do not like playing with trachea surgery. There are some that have new techniques that are they're out there. But interestingly, one of my former technicians went on to veterinary school, then became a board-certified veterinary surgeon. She was telling me some new technique that she was using, and it was great. And I actually recently sent her a case. And interestingly, and this is where I guess experience comes in, she said, you know what? We want to try some more medical things first. And that just goes to show you when a surgeon elects not to do surgery, but rather to treat something medically, you know that is a very challenging surgery, a very challenging condition. And one such condition is a tracheal collapse. Another condition that you might see that sounds often the same, but you're not going to see it in any particular breed, it's a reverse sneeze. I'm very good at reverse sneezes. So if you're listening only, you may not get it, but if you're watching me, and this is the typical dog with a reverse sneeze, it's... They're sucking the air in very, like, a, like with much resistance, but it comes out easily. Kind of the opposite of ours, because we, when we sneeze, we go in easily, and, it, and it's the out that sounds like it's, you know, abnormal. These dogs are, it's the opposite. It's the in that's causing the problem, and they have no trouble sucking it out. Dogs do this. A lot of dogs do this. Uh, no one really knows why. Maybe it's because those silly in their nose or just getting too full. Who knows? But it's reverse sneeze. One thing that I've tried to do at work sometimes is if you have a little, especially a little dog, if they're doing a reverse sneeze, just go up to them, take them by the snout, and blow as hard as you can right into the nostrils. And that sometimes will reverse the reverse sneeze. And it kind of puts them back to normal. Sometimes they get themselves into a panic sometimes. So just taking your dog and just petting them and letting them know it's okay and, and just trying to chill them out a little, calm them down a little bit, that too might take care of the reverse sneeze. But reverse sneezes is one of those things like, like a cherry eye. And I tell people a cherry eye, we talked about this several weeks ago, looks way worse than it actually is. And a reverse sneeze sounds way worse than it actually is. Don't panic. I've, I personally have never had a patient drop dead from reverse sneezing. Now, collapsing trachea, I've had like two in my 30 plus years. So it's something that most dogs with medical therapy will do well. Now, in addition, uh, there's another condition that we see. And uh, this is, you know, again, in medical ease, when you say a double negative, for example, really not uncommon would mean common. But when you're dealing with medical, when you have a condition that we see I don't see it every day, but it's not, oh my God, I can't believe it. So that would be uncommon, something that hardly ever happens. So that means when we say not uncommon, it's just not that. It doesn't mean it's common. It just means it's not like, oh my gosh. And that is something that we call LP, laryngeal paralysis. We see this often in retrievers, both Labradors and Goldens, older dogs, and they start sounding when they breathe like this. <laughs> Almost like the elongated soft palate, but you know that these dogs went through their whole life without it, and it happens usually way later in life, so it's not that. Big dogs like that don't usually have elongated soft palates, but they can get that noisy breathing from what we call laryngeal paralysis, and there is no medical therapy for that. If it gets really bad, you got to be careful because if these dogs start to overheat and try to, try to breathe more, the more they suffer from that paralysis in there, the tissue starts swelling up. 
And once that happens, they can actually just not breathe. I mean, they, it can actually suffocate them. Very dangerous to let, get these dogs to overheat. So be very careful. If you have one of these dogs, likes to hike, usually if it's a lab or a golden, they love to hike. They love to be outdoors. But if they start having that breathing issue, you should not take them outside. During the heat of the day, they overheat very easily. It's almost sound, almost like the bulldog. Right? A bulldog is, is like this normally. And we have the same precautions with the bulldog that we would with a bigger dog that has LP. Now, LP is repairable. It really is. The doctor, a veterinary surgeon usually, I don't know, maybe some GPs do it, general practitioners, I do not, will go in and it's called a tie back and they can tie one of these paralyzed cords back, all right, in the larynx and allow them to breathe again. But here's one warning, one precaution. What do many of these dogs like to do pastime? Labradors, golden retrievers, they love to swim. You got to be very careful if you have a swimming retriever that got a tie back because it needed it because of laryngeal paralysis. Be very, very careful because they can't close their throat now because it's tied back, which means they will take in a lot of water. They can actually aspirate. So you got to be very careful. You may have to take, unfortunately, their swimming privileges away. So that's all you have time for today. We will come back with some more problems with respiratory next week so make sure to tune in to us at nine uh and the pacific coast at noon back east once again thank to our sponsors prosense and kong and please if you have any questions during the week you think of something send me an email to dr jeff dr jeff at petliferadio.com thanks for joining me we'll be here next week let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com